Today is the 16th day of February. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. I am Brian, and greetings from the holy city of Jerusalem. We made our journey up to Jerusalem and uh, landed yesterday, and we will be spending the day in and around Jerusalem. And we had a great day yesterday getting here, and we'll talk about all of that in a little bit. But we have gathered together around the global campfire to take the next step forward in the scriptures. And as we step forward today, we are encountering the third book in the Old Testament, the third book of the Torah, the book of Leviticus. So we have been in the wilderness with the children of Israel for a little while since we've come out of the land of Egypt and slavery. So we're in the middle of the desert at this point, and God is establishing the terms of the covenant between himself and his people. And it's been about a year since they left Egypt, and the law is being given. And we've been working through the, uh, the construction of the tabernacle and the vestments for the priests and the process of ordination as we come out of the book of Exodus. And as we continue forward with what God is revealing to Moses, we'll notice that everything is pulling the people together in a cohesive culture and that interweaved among everything that the people need to do to be a part of this culture is a reminder of who God is and who they are and where they've come from and where they are going together with God. And one of the things that we will invariably realize is that holiness is vitally important to God. The things that are being instituted into ev everyone's everyday life remind them of a holy, almighty God and that fellowship through God is through holiness. God tells them, I am holy, therefore you will be holy. And of course, holy is being set apart or separated unto God. So God is saying, in this fellowship, in this covenantal relationship that we are to have, we can enjoy fellowship and intimacy through holiness. And as we read through Leviticus, we will find that there's a lot of blood in this book, a lot of sacrifice, animal sacrifice. We can kind of check out people get to the book of Leviticus and then they're like, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what I'm reading. I, and that's kind of where the journey ends. But if we actually press in, we'll see that God is teaching the children of Israel who are coming out of slavery and are having a complete identity shift in the wilderness that sin breaks fellowship, that sin leads to destruction, that it leads to to death, that it leads away from holiness, and that it costs us. And as the people are taught to offer sacrifices, that is ever-present, that theme is ever-present 
and it's being woven right into the fabric of the culture. And so we will see the burnt offering and the grain offering and the peace offering and the sin offering and the trespass offering and and how they're to be offered. And we'll see how things are consecrated, the consecration of the priests and their families. And we'll learn about what is clean and what is unclean. And we'll learn about celebrations and festivals and feasts that are that are celebrations and parties, but are reminders of who God is and who they are and where they're going. As he invites these people to become his own people and to be a nation of priests to the nations, to reveal God to the nations, to put the world back together. And all of this against the backdrop of the absolute and utter holiness of the Sovereign Lord. And so with that, we dive in and begin Leviticus chapters 1, 2, and 3 today. The Lord spoke to Moses from the sacred tent and gave him instructions for the community of Israel to follow when they offered sacrifices. The Lord said, Sacrifices to please me must be completely burned on the bronze altar. Bulls or rams or goats are the animals to be used for these sacrifices. If the animal is a bull, it must not have anything wrong with it. Lead it to the entrance of the sacred tent, and I will let you know if it is acceptable to me. Lay your hand on its head, and I will accept the animal as a sacrifice for taking away your sins. After the bull is killed in my presence, some priests from Aaron's family will offer its blood to me by splattering it against the four sides of the altar. Skin the bull and cut it up while the priests pile wood on the altar fire to make it start blazing. Wash the bull's insides and hind legs so the priests can lay them on the altar with the head, the fat, and the rest of the animal. A priest will then send all of it up in smoke with a smell that pleases me. If you sacrifice a ram or a goat, it must not have anything wrong with it. Lead the animal to the north side of the altar where it is to be killed in my presence. Then some of the priests will splatter its blood against the four sides of the altar. Cut up the animal and wash its insides and hind legs. A priest will put these parts on the altar with the head, the fat, and the rest of the animal. Then he will send all of it up in smoke with a smell that pleases me. If you offer a bird for this kind of sacrifice, it must be a dove or a pigeon. A priest will take the bird to the bronze altar where he will wring its neck and put its head on the fire. Then he will drain out its blood on one side of the altar. Remove the bird's craw with what is in it and throw them on the ash heap at the east side of the altar. Finally, he will take the bird by its wings Tear it partially open and send it up in smoke with a smell that pleases me. The Lord said, When you offer sacrifices to give thanks to me, 
you must use only your finest flour. Put it in a dish, sprinkle olive oil and incense on the flour and take it to the priests from Aaron's family. One of them will scoop up the incense together with a handful of the flour and oil. Then, to show that the whole offering belongs to me, the priest will lay this part on the bronze altar and send it up in smoke with a smell that pleases me. The rest of this sacrifice is for the priests. It is very holy, because it was offered to me. If you bake bread in an oven for this sacrifice, use only your finest flour, but without any yeast. You may make the flour into a loaf mixed with olive oil, or you may make it into thin wafers and brush them with oil. If you cook bread in a shallow pan for this sacrifice, use only your finest flour. Mix it with olive oil, but do not use any yeast. Then break the bread into small pieces and sprinkle them with oil. If you cook your bread in a pan with a lid on it, you must also use the finest flour mixed with oil. You may prepare sacrifices to give thanks in any of these three ways. Bring your sacrifice to a priest and he will take it to the bronze altar. Then, to show that the whole offering belongs to me, the priest will lay part of it on the altar and send it up in smoke with a smell that pleases me. The rest of this sacrifice is for the priests. It is very holy because it was offered to me. Yeast and honey must never be burned on the altar, so don't ever mix either of these in a grain sacrifice. You may offer either of them separately when you present the first part of your harvest to me, but they must never be burned on the altar. Salt is offered when you make an agreement with me. So sprinkle salt on these sacrifices. Freshly cut grain, either roasted or coarsely ground, must be used when you offer the first part of your grain harvest. You must mix in some olive oil and put incense on top, because this is a grain sacrifice. A priest will sprinkle all of the incense and some of the grain and oil on the altar and send them up in smoke to show that the whole offering belongs to me. The Lord said, When you offer sacrifices to ask my blessing, you may offer either a bull or a cow, but there must be nothing wrong with the animal. Lead it to the entrance of the sacred tent, lay your hand on its head, and have it killed there. A priest from Aaron's family will splatter its blood against the four sides of the altar. Offer all of the fat on the animal's insides, as well as the lower part of the liver and the two kidneys with their fat. Some of the priests will lay these pieces on the altar and send them up in smoke with a smell that pleases me, together with the sacrifice that is offered to please me. Instead of a bull or a cow, you may offer any sheep or goat that has nothing wrong with it. If you offer a sheep, you must present it to me at the entrance to the sacred tent. Lay your hand on its head and have it killed there. A priest will then splatter its blood against the four sides of the altar. Offer the fat on the tail, the tail bone, 
and the insides, as well as the lower part of the liver and the two kidneys with their fat. One of the priests will lay these pieces on the altar and send them up in smoke as a food offering for me. If you offer a goat, you must also present it to me at the entrance to the sacred tent. Lay your hand on its head and have it killed there. A priest will then splatter its blood against the four sides of the altar. Offer all of the fat on the animal's insides as well as the lower part of the liver and the two kidneys with their fat. One of the priests will put these pieces on the altar and send them up in smoke as a food offering with a smell that pleases me. All fat belongs to me. So you and your descendants must never eat any fat or any blood, not even in the privacy of your own homes. This law will never change. Mark 1, 29 through 2, 12. As soon as Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went home with Simon and Andrew. When they got there, Jesus was told that Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with fever. Jesus went to her. He took hold of her hand and helped her up. The fever left her, and she served them a meal. That evening after sunset, all who were sick or had demons in them were brought to Jesus. In fact, the whole town gathered around the door of the house. Jesus healed all kinds of terrible diseases and forced out a lot of demons. But the demons knew who he was, and he did not let them speak. Very early the next morning before daylight, Jesus got up and went to a place where he could be alone and pray. Simon and the others started looking for him, and when they found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, We must go to the nearby towns so that I can tell the good news to those people. This is why I have come. Then Jesus went to their synagogues everywhere in Galilee, where he preached and forced out demons. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and knelt down. He begged, You have the power to make me well if only you wanted to. Jesus felt sorry for the man, so he put his hand on him and said, I want to. Now you are well. At once the man's leprosy disappeared, and he was well. After Jesus strictly warned the man, he sent him on his way. He said, Don't tell anyone about this. Just go and show the priests that you are well. Then take a gift to the temple as Moses commanded, and everyone will know that you have been healed. The man talked about it so much and told so many people that Jesus could no longer go openly into a town. He had to stay away from the towns, but people still came to him from everywhere. Jesus went back to Capernaum, and a few days later people heard that he was at home. Then so many of them came to the house that there wasn't even standing room left in the front of the door. 
Jesus was still teaching when four people came up, carrying a man on a mat because he could not walk. But because of the crowd, they could not get him to Jesus, so they made a hole in the roof above him and let the man down in front of everyone. When Jesus saw how much faith they had, he said to the man, My friend, your sins are forgiven. Some of the teachers of the law of Moses were sitting there. They started wondering, why would he say such a thing? He must think he is God. Only God can forgive sins. At once, Jesus knew what they were thinking and he said, Why are you thinking such things? Is it easier for me to tell this man his sins are forgiven or to tell him to get up and pick up his mat and go on home? I will show you that the Son of Man has the right to forgive sins here on earth. So Jesus said to the man, Get up, pick up your mat and go on home. The man got right up. He picked up his mat and went out while everyone watched in amazement. They praised God and said, We have never seen anything like this. Psalm 35, 17-28 But all you do is watch. When will you do something? Save me from the attack of those vicious lions. And when your people meet, I will praise you and thank you, Lord, in front of them all. Don't let my brutal enemies be glad because of me. They hate me for no reason. Don't let them wink behind my back. They say hurtful things and they lie to people who want to live in peace. They are quick to accuse me. They say, you did it. We saw you ourselves. You see everything, Lord. Please don't keep silent or stay so far away. Fight to defend me, Lord God, and prove that I am right by your standards. Don't let them laugh at me or say to each other, Now we've got what we want. We'll gobble him up. Disappoint and confuse all who are glad to see me in trouble. Disgrace and embarrass my proud enemies who say to me, You are nothing. Let all who want me to win be happy and joyful. From now on, let them say, The Lord is wonderful. God is glad when all goes well for his servant. Then I will shout all day, Praise the Lord God. He did what was right. Proverbs 9, 13 through 18. Stupidity is reckless, senseless, and foolish. She sits in front of her house and on the highest hills in the town. She shouts to everyone who passes by, If you are stupid, come on inside. And to every fool, she says, Stolen water tastes best, and the food you eat in secret tastes best of all. 
None who listen to stupidity understand that her guests are as good as dead. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this new territory that we are moving into in the book of Leviticus. Thank you for bringing us through two books in the Old Testament and now through Matthew. Now we're in Mark in the New. We are moving forward day by day, step by step, and you have brought us this far. And we ask that you continue to lead us day by day, step by step, deeper in our understanding and deeper in our relationship with you. Guide our steps, we pray, and help us to be attentive and paying attention to where you are leading, we ask. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so on our journey here in the land of the Bible, we have reached the holy city of Jerusalem. And that took all day yesterday to get here. We had plenty of ground to cover and some things to see. We are in the holy city now and kind of getting settled in. This is where we'll stay until we depart. And we have some places to see, certainly in Jerusalem, and some places to see places to see outside of Jerusalem, but we'll be staying here. And so that is good to arrive here. It was really just a couple days ago we were leaving the Sea of Galilee. That genuinely feels like a week ago, uh, but that's just kind of how it, how it works. Um, when you're, when you're covering a lot of ground and packing a lot of stuff in. And so, uh, yesterday we left the Mediterranean coast and, uh, moved inland and basically uh, to the middle of the land. And then we began to head southward, uh, with, with the intention of just kind of moving right down the middle through the land of, uh, of biblical Samaria. And the first place that we went was uh, Shiloh. And this is, uh, this is an active archaeological dig that like there are still things going on there, but there are a lot of things uncovered and it's believed to be Shiloh, the sort of the first capital of Israel. And so the children of Israel were wandering around, wandering around in the wilderness uh, with the tabernacle and we saw a replica of that tabernacle down in the wilderness but when the children of Israel moved into the land the tabernacle had a permanent home at Shiloh uh, f- for like four centuries so we often think of Jerusalem this is the holy city this is the capital city this is, this is where the action is But there was a time and there were centuries before that where Shiloh was the place. And of course, there are are stories about Shiloh uh, that are famous in the scriptures. The story of Samuel and his mother Hannah uh, takes place there and their annual pilgrimage to Shiloh where she wants to have a son. And then when she does have a son, 
She gives him back, and Samuel becomes the final judge of Israel. That's getting a little ahead of the story for, for where we are this year, but we will eventually learn of the time of the judges, and we will eventually meet Samuel. And So maybe we'll remember that that happened in Shiloh. And then, uh, so we spent some time there, chilly morning, a little, little bit chilly, uh, not freezing cold or anything like that, just a little nippy here in, uh, in Israel this time. But we spent some time there and then began moving southward. Uh, we had lunch at a winery that uh, is there on the way that we, we like to uh, enjoy and have lunch there. Really, really good food. And then we, um, then we got ready because things change uh, as we move toward Bethlehem and, and Jerusalem. We're moving into a big city with a lot going on, a very, very different kind of feeling than any of the other regions that we've visited in the land so far. And so we just got together and talked through uh, going into Bethlehem, moving through checkpoints and stuff like that, and going to the Church of the Nativity and... Um, uh, Palestinian guides getting on the bus and getting to know them, just getting ready for all of it. The onslaughts of the busy city when we had been out of that kind of environment for a while. And then we proceeded and uh, went into Bethlehem to the Church of the Nativity. And uh, that takes some effort and some coordination and some time. It's just not easy to run in. You can't just drive up, go to the parking lot, park your car, get out of your car, walk in and see what you want to see and then drive away. It's like a bit of a production to get in and out. There's a lot of congestion and we're moving around on tour buses and so lots of congestion. But we made it and uh, it's like we came between I guess some big waves of people because uh, as we were on our way to the Church of the Nativity, the the guides were telling us kind of what the um, what the crowds were like, and they were saying, yeah, earlier, you know, a few days ago, very very uh, empty, but last time they were there, which had been a few hours earlier, there was a, a couple of hour wait to go down into the grotto, into the caves. Um, where, where it is believed that Jesus was born, and so we did we didn't know. But when we came in, we there was uh, not a lot of pilgrims there, and so we were able to um, spend some time just really learning about the place and taking our time and going down into the cave. And there's a, a star. Uh, that commemorates the spot that Jesus is to have been born. And that's just a little star kind of over the bedrock. This place has been visited for a couple thousand years. So um, people in antiquity all the way through modern times until until the star, like, they, you know, Who's not going to try to chip off a little piece of rock or something to take home from the place where Jesus is born? So a lot of these places are like that. They they have to protect the 
the ground and the rocks and stuff like that. And so there's a star over where Jesus was born. And uh, everybody gets a minute or a moment anyway to to gaze upon it, appreciate what we're talking about, and uh, spend some time in the cave. And then there's a spot where the manger was supposed to have been, where Jesus was laid in the manger. It's a, a combination of several churches over a site, and it is this struggle to explain the unexplainable, to explain that Emmanuel, God is with us. God came to be with us, became one of us. And so thousands of years of, of not only venerating and appreciating a spot, but also trying to explain and um, understand through art and poetry and architecture and, and just uh, the different eras. I mean, we're looking at really, really old stuff. Like there, uh, there's part of the mosaic flooring from the original build, building from the 300s. Onwards all the way up until today. And there have been some pretty major reconstruction or restoration projects going on at the Church of the Nativity for the last couple times I had been there. Scaffolding everywhere, that kind of thing. But that's all done now. And so it was beautiful, beautifully done, beautiful. So we took our time, spent some time there, saw it. And uh, then moved back through the crush of Bethlehem towards our buses and all the shopkeepers and all little things going on, trying to keep all together and keep ourselves moving in the same direction. And by then, by the time we got back to the buses, it's like all of that. It took all day and we're tired. We had to start really, really early. And then we got into all of the congestion and so by the time we did get into Jerusalem to our hotel, we were ready to be off the bus and ready to unpack and ready to have dinner and ready to get some rest because it's another big day today. We will spend the day in Jerusalem all around the old city and really appreciating Jerusalem. And so once again, thank you for your continued prayers as we move toward the final few days of our journey here in the land of the Bible. And we are still posting um, pictures on social media as they happen. So they pretty much the whole trip, you can kind of go to the Daily Audio Bible Facebook page or the Daily Audio Bible Instagram page and, and see what we're talking about, what I'm trying to describe uh, for yourself. So check that out. And uh, what is the other thing? I am told, so before we left for Israel, we had these brand new Daily Audio Bible hats and beanies. And uh, those were gone pretty quick. And we didn't know, but uh, they were gone pretty quick. They were sold out pretty quick. So before we left, we had ordered some more. And those, they are in stock in the Daily Audio Bible shop. So if you were looking for one and they were sold out uh, unless they're sold out again pretty quick you should be able to grab one so those are in the daily area bible shop in the lifestyle section so check that out if you want to partner with the daily audio bible thank you humbly thank you there is a link on the homepage at dailyaudiobible.com 
If you're using the app, you can press the Give button in the upper right-hand corner. Or the mailing address is P.O. Box 1996, Spring Hill, Tennessee, 37174. And as always, if you have a prayer request or encouragement, you can hit the hotline button in the app, or you can dial 877-942-4253. And that's it for today. I'm Brian. I love you. And I'll be waiting for you here. Tomorrow. Good morning, Daily Audio Bible family. This is, um, I was going to say One Penny Saved from Southwest Missouri, but I am now the woman at the well. And I just heard Webster from um, February 8th. And I loved what I heard, not because of your discouragement, of course, but because of your dedication, the fact that you still feel um, like, you know, you're, you're in this cycle of addiction and yet you're still staying in the word which is exactly what I did Webster I was um, well I was 17 years and totally out of control in an addictive uh, compulsive lifestyle and then I kind of traded that addiction in for drinking and then guess what my life even got worse what do you know but <laughs> I will say that the one consistent, and you guys have heard me say this, was staying in the Word, and I was literally pouring Daily Audio Bible into my life more and more and more until I truly looked back and it was like I had been transformed when I wasn't watching. And it, it happens in a miraculous way because it is a miracle. God's Word does heal. It is alive. It is working on you. Even if you don't feel it, Webster, it is. And I am so proud of you. You just stay in the Word and a transformation will take place because when you're in the Word, you're literally spending time with God and you are becoming more like Him. Even if you don't feel like you are, it is changing you because God's Word is alive. And it does miracles. And so you hang in there. You're doing great. I love you guys. Dear DAV, this is Jan from Maryland. And I've never called in before, so I'm a first-time caller, but I've been listening for several years. I witnessed something last week that was distressing to me. And it was a young girl. She couldn't have been more than 12 or 13. Being manipulated by an, an older but youngish man, and I believe it was either at the very least being given drugs or at the very worst sex trafficking. By the time I figured it out, it was too late. So I called the police, but still, I don't know her name. I don't know who she is, but I hope I never in my life forget her face. I don't want her to be a forgotten child. So I ask you to join me in prayer <clears throat> to help her to help her. So, dear God, Holy Father, please be with this young child who was in a situation beyond her control. Cover her with your protection and help her and all others like her to be free and to know and love you in a life that's full of love and care. Give us all strength to help watch for this and to be with those people who are in need. 
I know if anything, this will help. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hi, my name is Danny. I just wanted to tell the simple-minded plumber, I'm an air conditioning mechanic myself, and um, you're always going to feel like you could do better as a parent. Just know and trust God. And the best thing you can do is love your kids like Christ loved us. Yes, we're going to be making mistakes left and right, but trust them and love them. And most of all, trust God. And things could have been different, but they're not. So just keep loving them, man. Take my word for it. I have three and I feel like I haven't done a good job, but I do pray for them every day, daily, just like Job did. Remember. Hello, DAB family. My name is Kevin. Um, three weeks ago, I received divorce papers from my wife and um, been feeling pretty broken uh, and also been feeling pretty close to God. Just, I'm worried about my kids and I'm worried about my wife. And I just, I don't know. Just ask that you would be with them and you would bless this house. Thank you for bringing me close to you again in this hard time. And I ask that you would just stay in my heart. I really wish this wouldn't happen. And I realize it's not in my power. And so I surrender and I give it to you. Please pray for me. Good morning, Daily Audio Bible Community. This is Diane Olive and Jeff Brown at 6.33 a.m. Central Time. On February the the tenth, twenty twenty three, I just got through listening to Brian Harden speak of the way they treated Jesus, how Judas betrayed him with a kiss, and how they slapped him and pulled out his beard, and and then the high priest tells that they're going to crucify him and then they all abandoned him. Not one was left to be with him. And, and Jeff is sleeping right now. And we'll wake up and talk about this, but I'm here by myself. And I just want to say thank you, Jesus, what you did for us. Nobody ever did. <laughs> and if you can forgive us, I can forgive others. And I release everyone who has ever abused me or hurt me in forgiveness now. And I thank you, Brian, and, and the family of Daily Audio Bible for helping me understand the price 
my precious Jesus paid. And the Father created you. And the Holy Spirit interprets everything. <laughs>